Psalm 85, verse number 1 says this, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. As I read Psalm 85, can I make a couple preliminary statements? Number one, the land that is being spoken of here is not the United States of America. Okay? And so understanding the context of Scripture, as we look at it, you say, well, Pastor, how do you know? Okay? Well, it wasn't even in existence when this was being written. This is speaking about the physical land of the nation of Israel. In fact, if you go back and study the time period, this is, if you read at the top of uh, Psalm 85, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah. And this is actually... Uh, the sons of Korah were those that ministered as musicians, you see it there, to the chief musician in the tabernacle and later in the temple. They had the ministry of worship in the Lord in song and music. They are singing this song specifically about, and they, many say that this may have been all the way back around the time of King Saul, before the time of King David, of yes, actually being built and in the land and possessing the land, God establishing their king, allowing them to be able to have one. As we look down through the verse that is used many times, especially on weeks like this, is the question, wilt thou not revive us again? Now, I'm not going to take anything away from that verse because I believe it's a wonderful question to be asked. And just because some make a misapplication of verses and passages in the Bible doesn't mean we ought to shy away from them with proper um, interpretation and application for our lives. But I understand that we're not trying to possess a physical land like what the nation of Israel is here. But I do want to look at the 
uh, the, the text before this verse and after this verse about where it says, wilt thou not revive us again? And the purpose for that is this subject matter. At the end of verse number six, he asks this or makes this statement that thy people may rejoice in thee. Now, we're told over in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I'm not saying in a superficial or a false way or a hypocritical way, and that's not what I'm trying to drum up emotionally this afternoon, but I believe we have a great dearth of rejoicing in the Lord in 2023 today. I believe realizing the benefits that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the people of the Lord, and and I'll, I'll just go ahead and put it this way, I'm not one that usually ends everything on a down note. You understand what I mean by that? By nature, I'm not a pessimist. By nature... I believe that it is going to get better. You say, Pastor, have you looked around in society and the world that we're in? Yes, I have. And can I say this? I've read the back of the book. It is going to get better. We have Jesus. We have eternity. We have heaven. We have the new Jerusalem. We have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears to look forward to. So yes, it is going to get better. I do believe with whatever situation or problem or trial that arises, listen, if it kills us, we've got heaven. Well, it's either going to get better or it's going to kill me. Well, then we'll have heaven. I looked at a, uh, a lady. I'm trying to think of where I was. Um, I think it was Wawa. Anybody here ever been in a Wawa? How many think that's the best thing to be able to go in? Great. Isn't that right? Don't listen to that guy behind you in the beard right there. He thinks it's horrible. See, I'm shaking his head right there. It's a convenience store that you can go in and get, you can make, get sandwiches, get pizza. I got avocado toast yesterday morning, avocado toast with bacon on top of it. And so, I mean, we had a time and I I walked up to the lady and I I handed her my ticket and I was getting ready to check out. And she said, how's your day going? I said, it's going well. I said, listen, I said, Jesus has been too good to me. I said, for me not to be excited about the Lord and blessed today. And she looked back at me. She said, you're exactly right. She said, boy, the Lord is good to us. And that was in Wawa, W-A-W-A. That's how you you spell it, Wawa. And that was in a Wawa being able to proclaim and rejoice about the goodness of the Lord in our lives. Now, I'm afraid today, and here's the burden on my heart for just the next few moments. I'm afraid today that the reason that we are not rejoicing in the Lord like God desires for us to do is because... We're dead spiritually. And we need to be. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not saying that you don't have a relationship with the Lord. But I believe that you're so concerned about being under the circumstances that's all around us. We sure need to get stirred up and revived to be able to rejoice. You ever been around some of them people? Listen, you could have the absolute greatest day that you've ever had. And you get around them, and you're like, 
Yeah, but you know, tomorrow is probably going to be worse. I mean, you can be on a mountaintop today. I'm talking that person on a mountaintop and by 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Man, I'm just worried about this and I'm concerned about which... And I'm thinking, you just had one of the greatest miracles of the Lord yesterday. And within 24 hours, I said, you are dragging the bottom. And we wonder why over and over and over, the Lord is saying... And you know the number one command throughout the scriptures is praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. Number one command all the way through. And I'm saying, Lord, perhaps if we would get to the point of revive and realize who the Lord is in our lives and realize our position in Christ, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of the King, I'm joint heirs with Christ. And we realize who we are in Christ. Listen, we get revived, get some things stirred up, walking with God a little bit, and start some rejoicing. Another one of them sayings that I, I, I heard all my life, as I mentioned and preached out of Second Peter this morning, Peter said, I'm going to stir things up so that even after I'm dead and gone, you're going to remember this. Another one of them from my dad that was just drilled into us, and he'd get up and he'd look at the church and say, are you happy today? Well, tell your face about it. <laughs> he was one of them New Englanders. Born and raised in Maine. And he wasn't meaning it offensive, but he was just like, tell your face. In other words, you're looking pretty miserable from this side. That's really what the interpretation was. Man, if I had to look at what you're looking at now, I'd probably be depressed too. But he said, tell your face about it. Where's the rejoicing? Now, here's what's happened. In Psalm chapter 85... He starts off with this, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Now, this is talking about the, the physical land and the nation of Israel being able to come back in. But can we just make an application to our personal lives today? And can we just try to apply some principles? And, and if, if you were to take the time over the next week and a half before we get to Thanksgiving and start writing down, Lord, thou hast been favorable. Boy, what's some things and some blessings in your life that you would have to write down and say, Lord, you've been favorable to me. You've been favorable. We stopped in New Jersey on the way through yesterday is where we were early afternoon yesterday for my son-in-law and his ordination service, ordained to gospel ministry. Now, can I say this? I was thrilled. That pastor walked up to me. Honestly, I don't know how many times they came up and apologized to me. I'm so sorry that, that it's, it's so late and now you have to get home and you got sorry. Crystal looked at him. He, she, she said, don't, don't say sorry to me. I'm not the one preaching tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's what she said to him yesterday. The pastor said, I'm sorry, Miss Crystal, for making you get home late. She said, doesn't bother me. I'll sleep on the way home. He's the one that's got to get up and preach in the morning. And I said, I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm ready to preach. I said, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. I get up this morning, I was praying and spending some time here at the church, and I text my, my we have our, our family, just a lot, a lot like you do, we have our family group chat for the six of us, and I text him and I said, I'm praying for Peter and Amy as they minister in Rhode Island today. And I dropped down a line and I said, I'm, I'm praying for Harrison and Ruth as they minister in Philly today. And I'm praying for mom and I as we minister in Concord today. You say, what was the purpose of that? I was just thinking, Lord, you sure have been favorable. 
We've got something to be able to rejoice about, and they are rejoicing. And then they go in, listen, I'm not going to cover every one of these verses. They start going in saying, listen, you've forgiven our sin. You've covered our iniquity. How many are thankful that God's not holding your sin against you today? Boy, I'm so thankful for that. He's he's been favorable to us. He's forgiven our sin. He's covered our iniquity. He's taken away the wrath. Who took our wrath for us? Jesus did. He's taken away our wrath. And he's, he's mentioning all these things down through here in the first three verses. But then he gets to verse number four, and he starts off with these two words. Turn us. Now, it it, it looks like everything's great according to the first three verses. And I I read one writer that he made this comment about verse number four. It's like he's praising God for all the things that they've done in the past. And then he starts at verse number four and says, would you do it again, Lord? Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger to cease. Uh, Cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? In other words, there was still things in their lives. They were acknowledging the goodness and the blessings of the Lord. But in all of that, they realized, you know, there's still things in my life that, God, I'm still needing to be taken care of. How many of us, and, and uh, for the sake of time today, because I knew I was, where I was going uh, with, the, with the message this afternoon, we didn't take 20 minutes to take praises and testimonies this afternoon, but how many of us right now, now listen, I'm not asking you for it, but if I were to call on you or God were to speak to you, and don't worry, I'm not going to say go ahead and do it, so I don't want you to get nervous. How many have something right now at this moment that you would be able to give thanks to God for? You have something you could give thanks for. Guess what? So do I. Okay? Okay, now here's the next question. How many of us have something in our lives that we could get closer to God with? Okay? Every one of us do. My hand would be the first one to go up. Okay? What he's saying here, Lord, you've been favorable to us. Lord, you've been good. You've you've done all this for us. Now, Lord, would you turn us again? God, would you do it again? Those blessings that we have. But Lord, there's still areas in my life that still need to be revived. There's still things that need to be gotten right. Still things where I need to draw closer to the Lord. And then he says this, Wilt thou not revive us again? Can I say this? God never gets tired of reviving us. He never does. Do you understand? He's not going to come to us if Brendan is praying this week and saying, God, there's something in my life or, or God, I don't know what it is in my life, but God, would you, would you revive me? You understand that God's not going to look at Brendan and say, nope. <laughs> you, you've had your level of reviving. Nate, too much. You've got too much revival. God has never said, I'm going to cut you off on stirring your heart and getting closer to him. He's never going to say that. He's always going to allow us to come back. And I believe this, listen, just as, just as well as we keep coming back to the Lord, the Lord is there with open arms saying, listen, if you're begging for revival, he's going to give it that thy people may rejoice. God, you've been so good to us and we could all give testimony And we could all say, Lord, here's all the blessings in my life. I sure hope you do this a week and a half from now. Sit around the table before you tear into that meal that's taken eight hours to be able to prepare and it's done in 20 minutes. (laughs) 
And then you're sitting there saying, I couldn't eat. I can't eat another bite. It took me eight hours. You better eat some more. Okay? Not me. <laughs> we go through all. Hey, listen, I hope you take a moment before all of that and say, Lord, I sure want to thank you for this. I sure want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for my church. You say, Pastor, I don't have a good family. I don't have a good church. Well, you found one now. I just want to thank you for the Lord. Hey, we got sunshine. We got air to breathe. We can find something to give thanks for. But then at the same time we're giving thanks. Do you understand Paul said it over in Corinthians? He said the goodness of the Lord leadeth to repentance. I found this, and we, we did this. Actually, it was, it was downstairs, and uh, we'll do it again at some point. But before we moved up here in our auditorium, we had a prayer meeting one Thursday night, and we said this, said, listen... We don't, we don't want you to ask God for anything. You ever gone to the Lord and, and just praised Him and thanked Him during your prayer time and not asked Him for a thing? I said, I want you just to, just to pray. Listen, husbands, wives, family, wh whoever it may be, get together, groups of two or three, and, and I want you just to spend some time in prayer and just thanking God and think about everything you can possibly think of and just thank God for it. It wasn't too long that I was sitting there and I heard someone praying over there. And boy, they'd gone through and they're thanking God for everything. And then they started saying, now, Lord, you know I'm not the husband that I need to be. And Lord, you bless me with such a wonderful wife. And I'm thinking, that's what the goodness of the Lord does. As we start giving praise to Him and thanks to Him, we start realizing how unworthy we are and how much we come short. And then we start saying, Lord, the goodness of the Lord leads us to repentance. And what happens here, I believe they're praising the Lord and God, you've been so good to us and God, you've taken care of us and God, that you've provided for us. And God, there's still things that are there and God, wilt thou not revive us again. And then understand in this, now here's what comes after that thy people may rejoice. May I remind us of this? He, he says it in verse number seven. He says, show us thy mercy. Do you understand that God is under no obligation to stir our hearts? It, it's only by the mercy of God if he chooses to send through revival in our hearts and lives. If he chooses to stir things up and, and, and do a work, listen, I'm thankful Everything that God has done, and, and listen, you do not want to miss next Saturday for the meal and next Sunday here at church as we rehearse some of the blessings of the Lord. Listen, I'm thankful for all of it. Ten years, what God's done, the blessings, us just being a church. There was a church in Connecticut. They went 19 years in a rented storefront before they were able to get their building. You say, well, God just loves Concord more than what he loves Connecticut. I mean, I'd almost agree with that. I, I, know, I drove through Connecticut last night. No, that's, that's not the case. It's not that God loves us more. Listen, everything that God has done is only by his grace and his mercy. We don't deserve a bit of it. We don't deserve, well, you know, we just got the best people in the world. And we do have the best people in the world. But that doesn't obligate God to give a building and obligate God to pay off some property and to be able to break ground and to be able to keep going with expanding in ministries and be able to do more in our community. It doesn't obligate. It's only by the mercies of God. It's only by the mercies of God. But I want you to see this. I want you to see the confidence. 
that is given here as they're speaking and they're praising God. I believe they're getting things right. I believe they're asking for revival, for rejoicing in the Lord. But then look at this confidence he says in verse number eight. He says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak for he will speak peace unto his people. Well, I'm thankful for that, that when we go before the Lord, and listen, when we try and endeavor to be able to get things right with God, how many are thankful that 1 John 1, 9 is actually in the Bible? That if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful God keeps His promises? That when we come before the Lord and we're saying, God, this is the sin that's in my life. I'm thanking you for the blessings, but here's the sin that's in my life. And God, would you revive us again that we may rejoice. Thankful to be able to say, I'm going to hear what he has to say. And you know something? He is going to speak peace unto us. Well, I'm thankful that God responds. I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. And then he says this, and to his saints, but let them, and here's the warning, not turn again to folly. I would ask for a show of hands right here, but every hand would have to go up. How many of us have ever gotten something right with God? We turn right back around. <laughs> and I, I believe, listen, if there was sometimes that God was just down here, Matthias, I believe sometimes, I, mean, I, I honestly believe God just slap us in the back of the head. <laughs> I believe sometimes they'd do it right here in the forehead and say, you could have had a V8. I mean, just seriously. I believe sometimes that he would just literally look at us and say, listen, you just asked for forgiveness of that. You're rejoicing. You're in revival. And you return right back to it. I want to get down because I love these truths that are given in verse number 10. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You say, boy, that's a, that's a great verse. Can I say this? Righteousness and peace, that's not a union that usually takes place. Because do you understand what the righteousness of God demands? What the justice of God demands in our lives? It is not peace. The righteousness of God demands in our lives separation from Almighty God. The righteousness of God demands wrath be poured out. But the Bible says righteousness and peace have kissed together. You know why that is? Because the Lord Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath and the righteousness of God and do you understand? It says that Jesus is our peace. And so it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that there is actually peace, reconciliation. And we talk about truth and mercy. Mercy and truth are met together. You say, we can't have that. The truth is we don't deserve mercy. The truth is we don't deserve grace. The truth is we can't have peace if God is going to be righteous towards us. But the Lord Jesus Christ took our wrath. And because of that, they come together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Listen, that is unheard of outside of Christ. Unheard of. You say, well, pastor, what is there to have revival of? What about the things that should be 
judged in our lives. But yet the Lord is saying, hey, I'm extending a little season of grace here for you to be able to get this right. Here's what I started thinking of. Can I get real practical towards our revival meeting coming up this week? I told you in the morning service, I have no idea what Brother Gravely is, is going to be preaching every night. When I talked to him this week, he said, boy, I've been praying for the meeting. He said, God's laying out what he wants preached throughout the time. And I, I didn't ask him what it was. I know it's going to be Bible. I have full confidence in that. We're going to hear some Bible messages throughout this week. I started thinking, I said, Lord, what is it in our lives that needs to be revived? Now, as I made mention in the morning service, listen, God's, God's blessing at the church, you'll, you'll, you'll have no argument for me that God's blessing. We had our sacrifice Sunday last week. We're getting ready to break ground on a new piece of property come spring. And I put in a new building 50 feet from this one right here. That's where they have it scheduled and uh, have it laid out. But uh, new building going in. Our offering last week, and just so that it, it, it's, not, it's not bragging on us, it's bragging on God. And uh, right now the offering's about 146000 that came in just last Sunday to go towards the new building. Now, we do that every week. So if you're here... If whatever's not made up, if you're new, you make up the difference, okay? And uh, no, we don't. That, that's a, that's, we ask the Lord to be able to bless. We sacrifice for, for that day to be able to go towards that. That shows a good spirit in the church. That, that shows unity. Someone said this about the offer, and they said, when you announced that number, and I just kind of looked around and said, with these people here? <laughs> to the best of my knowledge... There's not a millionaire in our church, to the best of my knowledge. Now, you might be one. Get to know me. <laughs> we don't know, that, but that, that's, it's, it's not here. And I said, Lord, that shows a great spirit. So, Lord, what needs to be revived? And can I tell you all this week, God just been burdening my heart, and I almost printed this out, put it on a piece of paper, and asked you to privately write this down, but I knew someone would try to cheat off your paper. Try to look at your answer, and this would be private. I started going through the senses that we have, and I thought about, Lord, what is it? And we could go through the scriptures on all of these. What is it in relation to my eyes that would need revival? You say, What do you mean? Well, the Bible says, I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The Bible gives us the admiration. Uh, the admonition of, of being pure with the things that we're looking at. And so listen, you say, well, pastor, I know where you're going with this. Listen, it's not just the things we ought not to be looking at, but I wonder what we need to revive of what we do need to be looking at. It's, it, you see, it's, it's not just about getting rid of things in our lives, but it is about putting things in our lives. And so a revival of our eyes, as I started thinking about it, wilt thou not revive us again? What is it that in our eyes that we're allowing as windows to our souls that, yes, maybe we've gotten rid of a bunch of things, but maybe there's some things that need to be added. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about looking at the, at the wrong pictures or the wrong things on the Internet or the wrong things on Facebook. But what if, what if it's just novels? What if it's magazines? What if it's things like that that just don't lend themselves to godliness. What are the things that we need to say, Lord? And here's, here's what I would challenge, and here's why I didn't hand out that paper for you to be able to fill out. 
is for you to write down, Lord, as I think about my eyes and I'm praying, Lord, what is it with my eyes that need revived this week? What is it with my eyes? Could be too much time on a computer just playing games, video games, just eyes. Let me ask you this. What is it with our ears that maybe need to be revived this week? Now, once again, I'm not talking about maybe getting rid of things, but if God speaks to hearts, listen, there's some wicked music being piped into people's ears that they just need to say, God, I'm done with that. That's not right. Boy, it's amazing. It's amazing how some people think, boy, that music, that's just glorifying to the Lord. I asked someone, I'll, I'll tell you how far back I go, and they, listen, this may, this may offend you. We may need to get stirred up anyway. It was three years ago. I was standing underneath the tent, and I just got done preaching. And uh, I said something about music. And I made the statement, and it may be your favorite band from 30 years ago. I don't know. You'll, you'll tell how old I am and how much out-of-touch modern that I am. I said, you tell me how blaring ACDC, that takes you back some years. I said, tell me how that's honoring and glorifying to the Lord. What? Boy, someone came up, stood, be, stood beside that pulpit, gave me a piece of her mind. That'll tell you something. <coughs> Husband stood over there with a jellyfish for a spine. She stood there giving me a piece of the mind. I said, let me ask you something. I said, the Bible says, and whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And I said, are you telling me some of that stuff you listen to? I said, that that's glorifying God? I said, have you read those words? Boy, it's getting real quiet this afternoon. Maybe some ears need some revival this week. Can I say it's not just the music that's piped into the ears, but what about the gossip? What about the backbiting? What about, listen, we, we hear these things and we're saying, God, would you revive my ears? I'm just allowing things to be able to come in. Maybe it's false doctrine. Maybe you're listening to things and it's getting you off and, and, and you're going a direction. Hey, you need a revival of what you're listening to. But then I thought about how many of y'all want me to move on right now, okay? It got real quiet right there. I'm just saying, here's what I asked her. Y'all won't let me move on. I said, the Bible also says not just everything you do to the glory of God. I said, it says, and whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I said, are you telling me, I said, that you hit play on that and you can say, I'm doing this in Jesus' name. I said, I can't do it. I said, you telling me, go and bring the Lord to God. I said, I'm sitting at a stoplight. I said, and you're thumping over there. And I said, my first thought is, boy, they must have just got out of church. That's glorifying to the Lord. Now, easy now. I'm just saying, it may be something different in your life. A revival of the ears, a revival of the eyes. What about a revival of the mouth? You want to move on real quick now, don't you? Do you understand? I mean, what comes out of our mouth, the tongue? Go read James and read, listen, you can, you can tame just about everything under the sun, but the tongue can no man tame. Boy, how many have ever said something you wish you could have taken back? Can't take it back. Can't take it back. As soon as it comes out, I wish, I wish. 
You know, one of the best, and I can't say it's one of the best things because I've really started paying attention to it. One of the updates on the iPhone <coughs> is they actually have an unsend now on the text feature. It's an unsend. Before they see it, Charlie, you can unsend it. You can take it back. How many wish that would have been around a couple years ago? How many have ever sent something? You're like, man, I, just the way it was sent like that. You thought about it. You, you saw through it. And all of a sudden, and then you realize, man, that should have never been sent in the first place. With what comes out of our mouth... Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Maybe we need a revival of our mouth in a good way. What about a revival of our feet? You say, what do you mean? Where your feet go. What about a revival of your hands? What you do on a regular basis. What you're participating in. You say, Pastor, you're getting awfully simple. Yes, because I believe we've lost some joy and some rejoicing because we need revival in our hearts and lives. And I'm praying this week, listen, it may not be something so deep that he needs to drill down for five nights of revival meeting to finally be able to get there. It might just be the simplicity of it. I wonder if God would speak to our hearts just over the next few days and would say, Lord, what is it with my hands that need revival? What is it with my eyes that need revival? Do you understand that would be a great place to start and say, Lord, what is it? Maybe you could take a piece of paper out and you could write it down maybe in the privacy of your own home so that someone's not listening to you and, and, and they got to look over there. You need a revival of your eyes if you're looking at what sin they have over there. If I was sitting next to Joshua here, I'd be looking at his paper saying, what's Joshua dealing with over there? When in reality, what God's trying to do is deal with my heart. And try not this week, listen, to walk into church and put up the spiritual umbrella of just that's great preaching, but it's hitting the umbrella and just going to everybody else around me. That's not for me. That's going to them around me. That's for that person over there. That's for that person over there. No, what God may be doing is trying to get a hold of us. He may be trying to ring our bell. He may be trying to call us and we're not willing to pick up the phone and answer. Look at the practical things this week as we come into meeting and say, God, what is it that you have for me? Is it something with my eyes, something with my ears, something with my hands, something with my feet? God, that you can bring revival. Because you know something? Righteousness and peace. Lord Jesus has already satisfied our, our penalty for sin. He's already taken the wrath and he closes out verse number 13, and I'll be done. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. And that's what I'm so praying for this week, that God will set each and every one of us in the way of his steps, that we're walking where the Lord desires for us to walk. Now, the Lord may already be speaking to your heart saying, hey, here's some things. I'm, I, I'll say this. God's spoken to my heart this week. I'm not saying I'm, um, I'm in deep sin. I'm not saying... There's some things the Lord's already said, hey, we need to tune this up a little bit. We need to stir this up a little bit. Let's, let's stir some things up. Let's get some things burning the fire. Let's, let's, let's go. I'm asking the Lord to work in our hearts.
Now, you may be here today and you've never even trusted Christ as your Savior. Boy, it's a wonderful place to start is where you know that you're saved, know that you're a child of God. <coughs> I'm asking the Lord to help us this week. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? Do you understand this ought to be the most joyful place in Concord? It really ought to be. Now, you say, Pastor, I think we got a great spirit. And we do. We have a great spirit. Imagine, imagine the spirit at Granite State Baptist Church if every one of us were 100% right with God. Didn't have things in our lives, nothing secret between us and the Lord that the Lord does know about, but nobody else does. And imagine if we were just right with the Lord. Imagine the rejoicing that could take place from revival in a biblical way. And so what is it in our lives? You say, listen, I, I just need something in my life. Then I'll encourage you, be here every night. Pastor, do you understand the commitment? Yes, I'm going to be here. Well, Pastor, you get paid to be here. Boy, I'm asking the Lord to be able to meet with us. I'm asking, well, we need preaching. We need the Spirit of God to be able to work in our lives and stir some things up. Be here. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice?